So, wonderful time of praise and worship, huh? I just, again, I'd, I'd struck how the last time I spoke, I just felt that the choice of songs fitted so well with what I wanted to talk about. And again, this morning, I just, I just feel there's a real sense of, you know, praising God for who he is, because today we continue talking about prayer. Last week, John spoke to us and was speaking about Hannah. It was Hannah, wasn't it? Yes. Speaking about Hannah and, and her experience of prayer. And over these three weeks, what we're doing is we're looking at people in the Bible. We're looking at their prayer, how they prayed, or a particular prayer maybe that they prayed. And we're learning. The idea is to learn lessons from that. Uh, for, for ourselves. So this morning, again, we're talking about prayer, and I'm going to be talking about Abraham, or I'm actually bouncing out of Abraham with, with what I want to say. So if we're going to talk about prayer, let's start by praying. Father, we come to you this morning, and we, we ask you, Lord, to engage with us. Lord, one of the things we want to look at is this morning is really what prayer is about, and I pray that you will help us to catch your heart in what prayer is. And I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to us. Now, Holy Spirit, will you just come? Will you anoint the words that are spoken? Will you also anoint our ears as we hear? And I pray that there will be the work of your Spirit in our hearts as we listen to your word that will both challenge us and grow us and encourage us. And Lord, we ask this of you in your, in your wonderful name. Amen. I want to start with a, a, a story um, from a guy called C.H. Spurgeon. Back, back in the sort of mid to late 1800s, this guy Spurgeon was, um, a, he was known as one of the best preachers. His, you can get hold of his sermons. I've been listening to a couple of his sermons over the last few days. And it's just, it's interesting how the English language has changed that little bit. And you listen to the sermon and I was sort of thinking, oh, this is going to be hard work. But there is still an anointing on those sermons. And in the middle of listening to those sermons, even though I was translating the these and the thous and other bits and pieces that were in there, I was getting blessed by it. And I was blessed by what this guy preached back in the 18, 1816 or 1819 or whatever it was. And, and just that, that thought. Anyway, C.H. Spurgeon, his picture, I, I haven't got one to show you, but his picture is quite striking. And it is reported that one day Spurgeon was walking down the road and he heard a young man swearing and using God's name in vain. Walking up to the man, he touched the man on the arm and he said, can you pray as well as you can swear? The young man laughed. He said he'd never indulged in anything so useless as praying. Holding up a five-pound coin, I believe that was about 60 quid today, so it was, it was worth having. Holding, holding out a five-pound coin, Spurgeon said, I'll give you this coin if you will promise me never to pray again. The young man grabbed the coin, stuffed it in his pocket, and went off down the road chuckling to himself. As the day wore on, however, the man began to feel slightly uneasy. Never, never pray, not ever. Perhaps it had been a bit of a hasty bargain that he had made. He just might want to call upon God in some day if he was in urgent need. The more he thought of it, the more he became convinced that he had struck a bad bargain and he arrived home that evening. He told his wife of the transaction and she was absolutely horrified. It is true, she said, we don't pray. 
but someday we might want to. Talking it over some more with, with his wife, the couple then decided to see if they could find the man who had given this coin and extracted such a promise from them. Spurgeon, who had been hoping for just such a reaction, was soon located. And seeing their interest, he began to talk with them about Christ. And soon the two came to know the Lord as their saviour. You know, sometimes we have to get people to ask us questions before we can really start talking to them about the Lord. If we try and bulldoze in, I'm not saying it it never works. I know it does sometimes. But if we can get people to ask us a question, it's a bit how alpha works, actually. We start off with the first few alphas, and as the leaders in the alphas, we're trained not to say much about what we think. And people keep asking questions, and you just keep dodging the question and slipping around it instead of answering it, until finally, by the time you get to about week three or four, people get so frustrated, they say, I want to know what you think. And the moment you get that is the moment you can start sharing faith, and people will start listening because they're interested in what's going on inside of you. And I think it's a lesson we can learn with evangelism. But this morning, I think that story sort of sparks a few ideas. How do we see prayer in our lives? Let me ask you a series of questions. How do you see prayer in your life? How do you use prayer in your life? What do you expect from prayer? Is praying only used... When you want to extract something from God, then you need something from him. When you want an answer, when you want something done, you want something to stop or to start. Is prayer only used almost like an ambulance? (laughs) You pray when you need ambulance, when you need that ambulance prayer, that one that, that sort of gets you out of a hole. Is prayer a way to bargain with God? Is prayer a way of persuading God to do something. How do we feel about prayer? And I think it's interesting. I think prayer is one of the things that we say is really hard to do in the church, in our lives as Christians. You know, I I have experienced it. I've spoken to others that say, as soon as I want to pray, I can't think of anything. Or my mind starts going off on all this. Or I suddenly remember that I was looking, what I was looking at on WhatsApp. Or my phone rings. Or a, a member of the family calls. Or... So many times, even with Sharon and me, when at home we sat down and we said, okay, we need to pray about this. We sit down to pray and blow me, the phone goes. Sometimes it seems like prayer is one of the more difficult things that we do. But those questions, what is it? How do we, how do we use it? What do we expect of it? I think if all we think of as prayer is that opportunity to come to God and bring something to him that he needs to fix or that we're worried about, or whatever, I think we're missing, we're missing so very much more. And we're going to look at Genesis. If, if you've got a Bible and you want to turn to it, I will put the, some of the verses out, but there's a whole lot more. We're not going to go through all of the Scripture. So if you want to get it on your phones, if you want to open it in your Bible, it's Genesis chapter 18 that we're going to be looking at. And we're going to be looking at Abraham and that, 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 that well-known situation where Abraham bargained with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me come back to this idea that there is more for prayer. Before we start, there is, as I've studied this passage, 
I've come to realize that reading through chapter 18 and listening to it, and even listening to it in various different versions of the Bible, and, and reading it again and again, what I've come to realize that there is far more in this story than just a story about a man who argues with God over how many people God is going to take into account before he judges a certain space. There's a lot more going on in that story. And I feel that what God has brought home to me over this period of time as I've been studying this and reading this and, and living with this over these last weeks, what God has brought into my heart is that I don't think we realize that there is so much more to prayer. I know in my own life how quick and easy it is when something goes wrong. When I, I, I have I, some of the, you know, sometimes I get really bad ulcers. If I bite my tongue or I bite my cheek, it will turn into an ulcer and it will stay there for weeks. And when it happens, I find myself biting myself and going, Lord, why did you let that happen? And prayer has become that thing, either that crying out, why, or God, can you fix this, or please, Lord, take this away. And that's what prayer has become. Let me illustrate what I mean. Let's see if this is, if this is working. Yes, it is. Okay, who knows what that is? Mount Fuji, yes. You can buy that off the internet, you can have it framed, you can hang it on your wall. It's a beautiful picture, it's a picture of Mount Fuji. Oh, I've written it on there. <laughs> there you go. I shouldn't have done that, should I? <laughs> beautiful picture, Mount Fuji. But do you know something? There is so much more to Mount Fuji than that picture. That's a photograph of Mount Fuji. There is so much more to Mount Fuji than that picture. And actually, there is way more to Mount Fuji. Because sometimes I think, like the difference between those two pictures, they're both pictures of Mount Fuji, but one picture tells you something, but it's quite one-dimensional, and the other picture gives you some idea of the reality, it's the same with prayer. In fact, if we hung around, you'll see that there are loads and loads of beautiful, wonderful photographs of Mount Fuji that you can see when you look for it. And I want to say this morning, that is really what I'm trying to say about prayer. We get caught up with prayer and we see it as a certain thing. It's me coming to God and telling him what I need. Yes, it is. I'm not saying it isn't, and I'm not saying that isn't beautiful, just as that first picture was a lovely picture. But there is more to prayer than just coming and bringing your list of things that you need doing. There's more to prayer than just coming and saying, God, help me to, to, be, to be more holy. There's more to prayer than just coming and saying, God, can you fix this? Can you save that person? There's more to prayer than just doing that. There are so many things that actually, if we did take the time to start going through them all, we'd never fit it. You'd have to have a, a bigger series than three. You really would, three Sundays. We could take an awful long time. It could go on for weeks, I say. That's about a prayer this morning. Could go on for hours. No, we're not. Don't worry. <laughs> but also, before we look at Abraham, I think we should start by seeing what Jesus had to say about prayer. 
And then what I want to do, once we've, we've had a quick look at that, and, and I believe there's some challenges there that will help us to understand what I want to talk about later, and I want to talk about the privileges that we have in prayer. Jesus starts in Luke 11, 1 to 3, talking to his disciples. They come to him. They said, teach us how to pray. And you know, you know this section because it's got the Lord's Prayer in that section. And for many people, that's the only bit they remember of that particular passage. But it goes on and it says, you fathers, verse 11 to 13, the earlier verses give you the Lord's Prayer. And then it says, you fathers, if you children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you are sinful people, how know how, and, and if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, the thing is, Jesus starts off when he's asked about prayer, teaching them the Lord's Prayer. You know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Here you go. I'm doing it in old, in, in old, in old money near. I'm still in the, the, the AV version of it, and that's what's stuck in my head from being a child. But you know that. I mean, there was a time when most children in school would know that because it was repeated. Probably not so much today. But you've got that first thing. So they say, how do we pray? And Jesus says, well, you pray like this. Here's, here's a model to pray. First of all, worship God. Then come with your needs. Then ask him for forgiveness and make sure you've forgiven. And then ask him for his strength to live, live your life as you should. So Jesus gives them a very clear outline for how their prayers should be. And then he goes on to this next bit. And he starts talking about somebody banging on the door at midnight and wanting a piece of bread and keep on banging. And eventually this guy gets up and begrudgingly gives his neighbor this bread. And the Lord is just really saying to them, listen, guys, have a structure to your prayer. Make sure you have good, good things in your prayer. Ask for stuff. Do all these things. But don't give up. But the thing that struck me, and I, I saw this when I was looking at what another, another preacher was preaching on, actually, preaching a different, completely different sermon, but he finished with this last part, this, Fathers, if your children ask for a fish, um, uh, do you give them a snake? And it finishes that in verse 13 with this. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? He finishes talking with talking about the Holy Spirit. Interesting. I think it was interesting. Jesus gives you structure for prayer. He says, keep on praying, don't give up on it. But then he says, but actually, it's about my Holy Spirit within you. Do you know the amazing thing is that when we're born again, when we give our lives to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit come and live within us. We have God living within us. You and I, if we love the Lord, if we've asked him for forgiveness for our sins, if we've come to him and we've said, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, we have God in us. And I say this and I keep saying this because I think it's so important that we realize this. We don't have a bit of God in us. We don't have a bit of God that will fit because to be honest with you, none of God would fit in me. I have the whole of God in me. 
I have God in me. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the person of the Holy Spirit who works with me, teaches me, encourages me, challenges me, blesses me, gives me, gives me, gives me his gifts and all that sort of stuff. But it is God that lives in me. Relationship. Intimate relationship. One commentator says this, for Jesus' prayer was and is a relationship. It is a dialogue. It is a communication. It is a personal contact with God himself through the Holy Spirit. What more could we hope or dream for but to have the Spirit of God, to have God himself dwelling in our hearts? Prayer is an amazing thing because prayer is about having an intimate relationship with God. Even more intimate than I can have with my wife. Because I don't have Sharon living inside me. It would be a bit weird if she did. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. I have God in me. That is what prayer is about. Prayer is more. It's more than just demands. It's more than just communicating hurts and pains and problems. It is a relationship with God himself. It is personal contact with God. It's, it's, it's continuous intercourse with God. It is constant dialogue. It's inspired and it is elicited. It is drawn out and it is released and it is, it is encouraged and it is given and inspired by the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is our spirit and God's spirit working together. So that, as Paul says, we cry, Abba, Father. Prayer is a relationship, and I love this definition, prayer is a relationship between two people who want to get to know each other better. I want to get to know God better. I really, really do. Because I know me. And I know how much I need that. And I know how hard I find that at times. The end, the outcome of prayer is more than an answer to a specific question. Let me say that again. Because I think that challenges our thinking on prayer. The outcome, the end of prayer is more than a specific answer to a request. It is a dialogue, it is a communication, it is an interaction between myself and Almighty God. In other words, the end or outcome of prayer then is that dialogue between two friends. Two people who care about each other. Two people who trust each other. It is only this, and in this, this give-and-take relationship. When's the last time when you sat down to pray that you saw it as you were going to have a give-and-take relationship? You're going to have a give-and-take conversation with the Lord. I think it happens more than we realize. 
If we have the Holy Spirit in us, I really do think it happens far more than we realize. That personal relationship that my life, that my life, that your life can take on the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have that give and take. One of the thoughts that I've had over these last few weeks has been that prayer, I believe, that more so than we realize sometimes, the prophetic is, 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 is active within our prayer times. Why do we pray? What's that, what's that about? Why do we have corporate prayer? I think it's because actually sometimes if we truly have it as a dialogue rather than just a list. And as Sharon said to me, if every time I saw her I just came up with a list of things I wanted her to do or things that I'd done, whatever, it would be a really thin relationship that we had. In fact, it would probably end up with Sharon getting quite upset with me I mean, I'm, I'm, if you go on the marriage course, it talks about different types of people and how some people like one thing and another. And I'm one of those people that I can sit in the room. If Sharon's in the room, I'm happy. She's there. We're together. I'm, 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 I'm at peace. I'm chilled. As long as I know she's okay with me, that's, that's cool. But when Sharon's in the room, she likes some interaction with me. She likes me to talk. And I think that's what God is saying to us. The other illustration, which I thought was really good, was Sharon said to me this morning, it's a bit like Milo, the cat. I've got a really interesting relationship with our cat because I learned to dislike it very strongly right at the beginning. And he's gradually worming his way into my affections. But he has this wonderful habit of walking in, giving me a little mew, hopping up on my legs, walking over me, and then going to sleep on the settee. And occasionally, if I'm really, really lucky, he'll come up and rub his hand on me, and then he'll trot over and lie down. And I feel so, oh wow, he's showing me some love. (laughs) Is our prayer life with God a little bit like that? Do we just hop on his knee, say hello, and run over and sit in the corner after we've said what we want? Do we come up and sort of rub, rub your cheek against him like Milo does with me? Yes, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, and then trot off and sit down in the corner. I think that'd get really frustrating for the Lord, wouldn't it? Abraham. In Abraham, we see a fine example of this kind of relationship, this prayer life. Uh, let's just have a quick look in Genesis 18, 1-2. And it says, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Nami. And one day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance of the tent during the hottest part of the day, and he looked up and he noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them, he welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. The Lord appeared again. And the first point that I want to bring out from Abraham is that Abraham had a very good prayer life. If you look back through the, 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 the stories, if you look back through the scriptures, what you find is that again and again and again, Abraham was having these conversations with God. He was talking to God. God was bring, giving him promises and all the rest of it, but there was dialogue going on. And interestingly, scripture says this of Abraham. It says in James, and the, scriptures was, the scripture was fulfilled, which says that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And it says these words, and he was called the friend of God. And then if you look in Chronicles, it says there, did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your uh, people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, 
your friend forever. I mean, God being Abraham's friend is one thing. You know, me to say God is my friend, that's cool. We're talking now about God saying, no, hey, Abraham is my friend. Do you know what? If we've given our lives to the Lord, we're his friend. We're more than that. We're his children. We're adopted into his family. But Abraham was known as the friend of God. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing because there was relationship. Look at Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. It reminds us. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who was blessed who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. And then it says this wonderful section, it says, In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. I love those words. We are sons and daughters. Family, we are not just God's friends. However wonderful and amazing that is, we are his children as well. And I think that is wonderful because I know that within families it's possible to have children and not to be friendly with them. It's possible for that to happen. But with God, we're not only his children, with that intimacy that comes, we are his friends. He delights in being with us. Scripture says he sings over us or will sing over us. We're his. I, you, are God's friend. I think that's amazing. And that brings with it privileges. Friendship with God produces privileges. And the first one that I want to say is companionship. Look again at Genesis 18, 2 to 5. Those that are still at that beginning. He says, He looked up and he noticed three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree, this uh, tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you have honored your servants with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said. Do as you have said. And then if you look later on in, in this, this thing, you see this, this thing where it keeps saying, the Lord asked, the Lord told Abraham, the Lord remained with Abraham. These men that came to see Abraham, scholars say it was the pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus Lord, that came and met Abraham and two angels. But it was the Lord. It says it was the Lord. The scripture tells it was us that, that it was the Lord. And later on in chapter 19, it talks about the two being angels, the other two men being angels. Did Abraham recognize them? Well, notice it says, it said to them that he welcomed them by bowing low to the ground. There is some debate. Scholars do say no, that's just because he was, that was the thing they did and that they were very hospitable and if somebody turned up, they would show you all this. But I don't know. Who knows? But I was just thinking, possibly, because it talks about him bowing low and it, it, there's no surprise in it shown in the dialogue when it's talking about the Lord and he, it just naturally, 
I think Abraham recognized him. Why? Because he was, compa- he was a companion of God. He spent time with him. Prayer is a dialogue between two friends, two people who care for each other, two people who trust each other. You and I have companionship with God. Abraham did, but the Lord walked off and then the Lord would come back. We have God in us by his Holy Spirit. We have that companionship, you and I. Prayer is not just about asking God for things or praying things into happening or into existence or praying people into the kingdom. And Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm not saying they're part of prayer. They're all very much part of prayer and they're all equally important. But the thing to remember is prayer is about a dialogue between me and God, you and God. It's about that relationship. It's about that companionship. The second point is prayer is about communication. And for this one, I I want to just see Sarah. I don't know about you, but in this story, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, it says in 1811-12. Just before this, what we've got is these guys standing there, they're chatting, and then they say, where is Sarah? And Abraham says, oh, she's in the tent. And then um, the men are standing and she, one of the men turns and said, well, she's going to have a baby. By this time, I'm coming back next year and she'll have a baby. And Sarah is in the tent and overhears this. And Abraham, and it says, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? So it's an interesting use of phrase words, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. <laughs> I've always felt sad. I've sort of read that in the past and I've thought, oh, shame, she didn't quite get it, did she? You know, and, and I've, I've sort of lived with that until again, while I was doing this study, I come across this absolutely beautiful verse in Hebrews 11:11 11, 11. and it says this and I think this is beautiful I loved it it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old she believed that God would keep his promises i think Sarah went away after having that little debate and i think it made her think and also don't forget it says at the end of when when in that uh, that one it says um, it talks about that is anything too hard for God? That's what the, that's what the, the the angel said. Is anything too hard for God? And I think Sarah went away, and I think she sat in her tent. She thought, Oh goodness, I should have done that. Uh, yeah, is anything too hard for God? And I just want to say, is there anything too hard for God in your life this morning? Is this stuff that you're battling with, stuff that you're struggling with, things that you really do need God to get involved with? Yes, the Lord has said there's a pattern for prayer. Come to him, acknowledge him, bring your requests to him. Make sure that you're right with him and that you're right with those around you. Yes, ask him for his strength. Be persistent with him, but enter into that dialogue with him. Have a conversation 
listen. I believe that in praying, the Holy Spirit works in us. See, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't think we recognize how often this happens. When we pray, we speak out. But we're looking to God when we're praying. We're thinking about him, and we're looking for the Holy Spirit to be guiding us. And I think sometimes the very words we pray. How many times have you started at point A in a prayer? I've done this so often. And by the time I get to point B in the prayer, the other end, my prayer, my direction of my prayer has changed. God has started speaking to me during the prayer. Why? Because I've been listening, because I've been having a dialogue with him. I've been having a conversation, not just bringing a list. And I think that's probably what was happening with, 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 with um, Sarah. I think she was thinking about it, and the, the dialogue element was coming in. And I want to say to you, if you need God to do something, don't just say, Lord, I need you to change this. Don't even just say, Lord, I need you to help me to cope with this until you change it. Just have a conversation with him. Talk about it. Talk about it with him. Literally, have a conversation. Don't worry about how it comes out. Have a conversation with him about it. It may be too hard for you, but it's not going to be too hard for God. And finally, the final one is compassion. The last privilege, I believe, is compassion. And I believe that's what happens as we start to have dialogue with God, when we sit with him and we don't just come and bring our prayers, but we have communication, communion. It says in Genesis 18, to 23, the other men turned, the other two men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Here we see, we see the first instance of intercession within the Bible, but also we see Abraham interceding for the righteous in Sodom. Abraham was touched. His heart was touched. So yes, we can talk about intercession. And I think intercession is an important part of our prayer life. I think it's right that we bring our nation, we pray for our king, we pray for our leaders, we pray for our, our, our government, we pray for the world. We pray for Israel. We pray for Palestine. We pray for Iraq and Iran. We pray for those people that we just can't see eye to eye with. And we intercede before God and we cry out to him. But I believe as Abraham was crying out, Abraham, as he was saying, but God, if there's, if there's five less than 50, are you going to? And then, oh, but God, if there's, if there's 10 less than that, and then God, if there's going to be 10 less than that, until it comes down. I don't think that was just about him bargaining God into a corner. I think Abraham was listening. Abraham was hearing. He was feeling his way. Why did Abraham stop at 10? We'll never know. But I like to think that maybe it was because Abraham was feeling, no, that's where God wants it. I know my Lord. I know what my God would do. I know his grace. You see, Abraham understood. He understood the graciousness of God. He understood the heart of God, and he was praying that through. I believe that we are asked to be intercessors. And you see here it says, finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time suppose only ten are found there and the Lord replied 
Then I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. Then the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham. He went on his way. The highest point in Abraham's life was his intercession on behalf of Sodom, I, I believe. He listened and spoke to God. It is only in this give and take relationship of prayer, that personal relationship of prayer, that my life, that your life can change, can take on the image of God. Let me just put this up. The end of prayer then, you know, the conclusion of prayer, what we're looking for it to do within us is a dialogue between two friends, two people who care about each other, two people who trust each other. And it is only in this give and take relationship, this personal relationship with God, that both my life and your life and our lives together can take on the image of Christ. We can catch his heart. We can hear his passion for those around us. We can keep praying for those that need to be saved. We can pray for our families. We can pray for the people that we work with. We can pray for our nation. We can pray for these things, not because we're bringing a list, but because we're coming and we're sitting and we're talking to God. We're having a dialogue with God. We're having a conversation with God. And in that conversation, the Holy Spirit, God in us, is shaping us, shaping our thinking, shaping our passion, changing who we are, giving us a passion for the lost, giving us a passion for this town, for this nation, for this place. That comes through dialogue with God and not just bringing a list. Father God, help us. Even as I pray now, Lord, I'm inviting you, Lord, to put thoughts in our hearts. Lord, when we pray, help us to remember that we... <laughs> <laughs> we, we come into your presence and we get to talk to you. We get to dialogue with you. We get, you want to know what's on our heart. Yes, you know, but you want us to speak it out, Lord, so that you can start changing our hearts and you can start growing us. And I pray, Lord, that you will do that. Help us to grow our prayer life into something that's rich with many facets and, 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 and not just a... That, that, that very simple picture, but a deep picture full of all sorts of wonderful things because it's in a relationship and in a dialogue with you. This, Lord, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen.